Welcome to No Guitar Is Safe, everybody. First, a huge, huge thank you to PRS Guitars for making this episode possible. PRS Guitars came on the scene in 1985 and have been building some of the highest quality guitars in the industry ever since. They've grown a lot since their early days, and they've established a lofty roster of artists, including the man we're talking to today, Jimmy Herring. I'm psyched about that. If you haven't checked in with PRS in a while, you may want to take a minute to go see what they've been up to. They're now making USA-built guitars starting at $9.99 with the S2 series, and they're making six distinct family of amps, including the Dave Grissom and John Mayer signature models. PRS is offering players more than ever before, so please check them out. I'm a huge fan. I got three of them. All right, let's go plug in with Jimmy. No guitar is yeah, you heard the copter there. So tonight, man, we're going on a on a trip, a red eye, as it were, a long flight to Atlanta, Georgia, to Crossover Entertainment. And I gotta thank Billy Johnson at Crossover for hooking me up with a room and some amps to plug in with the great Jimmy Herring. Jimmy Herring is one of the most beloved guitarists in the improvisational jam band rock, whatever you want to call it, psychedelic rock scene. My gosh, his main gig these days is playing with Widespread Panic, who now holds the record for the most consecutive or just the most period sold out shows at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado, the ultimate jam band amphitheater. Hot damn. I think they got like 50 shows in a row or more completely sold out. It's just nuts. Jimmy, of course, has also worked with the Allman Brothers and Phil Lesh and also the Dead. And, uh, of course, man, Jimmy just did the most beautiful stuff with Aquarium Rescue Unit featuring Colonel Bruce Hampton. talk a lot about how Bruce Hampton shaped Jimmy's psyche as a musician and his whole approach to improvising. I guarantee you it's going to inspire you to take bigger, deeper, more epic, more powerful solos too. It's crazy. Jimmy's also on tour right now with his band, The Invisible Whip. Check it out at jimmyherring.net. Speaking of tours, Jimmy's got a huge tour, both in terms of the concert halls they're going to be playing, but also in terms of how much it means to him personally with John McLaughlin, one of his biggest heroes. That's right. They're going to do two sets. I believe maybe Jimmy and the Invisible Whip will play the first set. Then John McLaughlin will play a set. Or maybe they're alternating. I don't know. And then they will join for a third finale set at the end, featuring both bands on stage. It's going to be nuts. And they'll probably do a lot of cool Mahavishnu stuff with all the musicians up there. That tour crosses America starting in Buffalo on November 1st and ends up, like, gosh, the first week of December, finally, in Los Angeles. 
So you got to check that out. Again, thanks to Paul Reed Smith for making this happen. I love PRS guitars. You know, I have a 305 that I love that Paul actually signed for me once on the back of the headstock. It's great. In Sharpie. Paul is an amazing cat. You know, last, I think it was this year at NAMM or maybe it was last year. They all blend together. You know, you're on the floor all day and there's just this sonic overload. I mean, you see the most amazing stuff and you meet the most amazing people, but by like 10 or 11 p.m., it's just, it's quite a bit of sensory attack and you've just heard everything and your ears are almost numb. And I was kind of in that state and then we were all hanging out at the Marriott. Again, there's band after band playing there and you kind of almost get used to it all. All of a sudden, something grabs my attention. I hear this killer guitar solo coming out with just the most perfect tone. I look over and on that stage in the Marriott lobby is Paul Reed Smith with his band. And of course, he's got a PRS guitar and one of his amps and he's just killing. I can't say enough about what an amazing genius cat Paul Reed Smith is. I also got to thank guitar player and guitar world's Jeff Donenworth for hanging out during the interview and also for driving me to the interview from the airport. I mean the heliport. So we're going to head over to Crossover Entertainment. Again, I really thank Billy Johnson for making this happen over there. That is a great spot, man. All, all the big artists in Atlanta head over to Crossover when they want to do stuff. I think REM even recorded an album there. So yes, we're going to head over to the control room in one of these awesome studios at Crossover and hang out with Jimmy and plug in and do some jamming. I wanted to meet in one of the big rooms, but... There was an R&B band playing with some fat bass pumping the walls on the other side. And I knew that would be in the mics the whole time when we were talking. So we met in the control room of the studio a little ways into the interview just to make Jimmy's amp breathe a little bit more. We move it out into the neighboring room. So there's a little more air around it, as you'll hear. A lot of fun. I hope you've been enjoying this music. It's music from the first two Jimmy Herring solo records. Also played a little Aquarium Rescue Unit in there from the famous Colonel Bruce Hampton, the Aquarium Rescue Unit live album from like 92, I think it was. And maybe check this out for a second. This is Jimmy's take on John McLaughlin's famous Mahavishnu tune, Hope. And I'm thrilled to announce that this interview is part of a bigger story, cover story, Guitar Player Magazine cover story with John McLaughlin and Jimmy Herring coming out soon. Hope you enjoy that. Two cool guitar players, two cool PRS guitars on the cover. Look for it. All right, let's head over to Crossover in Atlanta and plug in with Jimmy Herring. What's your gear closet like? Tell us, what, what's that like? It's gotten stupid. Is I it mean, an airplane hanger? It, no, it's not an airplane hanger, but it's spread out to different places. Some of it's at Panic's Warehouse. Some of it's in my place. Some of it's my yeah. friend Rush Anderson's who, who right. works here. Uh, he's he's our sound man whenever we go out and do our, our small band stuff. Right. But, you know... Um, it's uh, it's gotten stupid. I, I got too much stuff, and I got too many hundred watt amps. I need to start 
you know, getting more right. 40, 50 watt amps, 30 <laughs> watt amps. But man, have you noticed that Princeton's cost more than twins now? <laughs> because, yeah. because people don't want twins. They're too heavy and they're too loud and they want deluxe reverbs. They want Vibraluxes, you know, like yep. vintage ones. They're, they're 3000 bucks now. I know. I'm just, you I know. mean, I'm, that's, I'm more into like Dr. Z's or the Victoria's or something. They're all are, great. Yeah. They're more affordable compared are, to the vintage one, which mm-hmm. I'm afraid is going to break down or. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it will if you don't, if you don't, I mean, I've got a bunch of vintage stuff, yeah. but it, none of it's the small stuff. It's like, you know, I've got twins yeah. and super reverbs and, uh, and basements. I love basements. There's a particular basement called the uh, 6G6B circuit and Brian Setzer has made it really hard to get these things because he's so great and he uses them and um he's, he's now nice, they're now yeah. they want ridiculous money for he's them he's got now. some good tone happening god he's got some of the I, best tone ever the guitar tech i work with a lot he uh mm-hmm. he's brian setzer's tech and he took oh, me yeah. into the warehouse and i'm just sitting there cranking up some of these amps i don't know if i should be saying this <laughs> but he's letting me like hey check it out and it's blonde like, basements that's yeah, his thing and dude. he collects them he's got a ton of them you know he's probably yeah. got all the good ones <laughs> jeff donenworth in the house pull all up a right. chair here. <laughs> All right, I got Glad you a water here. too, Jimmy. Man, right thank there. you, sir. Thank you. Not even opened. Not even opened. Damn, it's yeah. so it's not used. Yeah, it's not, it's not vintage. I know you like vintage <laughs> stuff. But that bottle of water is brand spanking new. Thank you, man. Now you're saying sometimes you bring a bunch of gear down here. What do you do? You yeah. come here in this giant room by yourself? Yes, because that way you can really hear. I mean, you can't really hear until you hear it with drums and bass and 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 whatever else you're gonna play with. But, you know, that's the thing I love about the old stuff is that it always sounds like what it is. You know, you ever have you ever um, played an amp in a music store and been like, oh, my God, I got to have this thing. This thing is it's everything. It's the best sound I've ever heard. And then you get it on stage and the bass and the drums come in and all of a sudden your amp disappears. Oh, yeah. I went yeah. through that phase for years, you know, searching and finally, it was like, man, you get the right super reverb, and, and but now, yeah, I mean, people are so scared to, um, you know, to get these old amps because they they're afraid they're not going to be dependable. Well, they won't be unless you, you know, you yeah. got to replace the the electrolytics in the amp. If it's if they're original, they've they're past due. So the filter caps and all the electric electrolytics need to be replaced, and um, you know, and speakers matter so much. I, like, yeah. For me, it's all about the amp and the speakers, and then um, and the tubes. The tubes matter. Like once I heard the difference, I couldn't go back. Yes, they're too expensive, but instead of buying a pedal, I'll buy tubes. You know, like yeah. old ones. You know, from a real reliable um, uh, tube vendor. I'll yeah. take the advice of some of these guys, and you know, you make an yeah. investment. Sometimes these tubes are good. they're little preamp tubes. They should have been twelve dollars or whatever, but yeah. unfortunately, they're like. $80 or maybe 100 If you want Bugle Boys from Holland, you're going to pay $130 or something. If you want old RCAs, yeah, you're going to pay $100 or more. But once you put it in there, it's probably good for the rest of your life, you know? And you um, get the match. Everything. Yeah. I fought that for years. I didn't think about it. I, I didn't, you know. To me, that's where I start. I, I Instead of buying a pedal, I'll buy that, you know. (laughs) Speakers and tubes and... Yeah, well, you seem like you're a vintage amp guy. I am. But you have new guitars. Yeah. Like, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. I like new amps, What are you playing here today? This is a PRS NF3. It's... um, I love that thing. I love these things, man. They are... You know what's different about them? They have... They have a, a quarter of an inch longer scale than a normal PRS, and uh, 
and 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 you have a PRS yeah. with fender scale length, right? So twenty five and a half. Quarter, I, yeah. And this is twenty five and a quarter. Right. So it's a quarter of an inch shorter <laughs> than a fender. And um, Paul just I, can't make up his mind. I, I, I'm, I've been begging him for years to do this. You know, twenty five and a quarter. Well, or? well, no, but just to make a, a longer scale length, just yeah. you know. And then he made the three hundred five, which is a f- very, very nice instrument. And yeah, then, yeah. have you seen the uh, five thirteen? Well, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. That one's great. It's also got the twenty five and a quarter scale. Oh, cool. And I didn't know why I love that guitar so much until I found out. Oh, well, yeah. yeah it's got a little bit longer scale. It's kind of it's nice because it's right in between Fender and PRS's normal scale. And if you use a floating tremolo at all, like mm. that Fender scale can really wreak havoc on your on your old tendons. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you if you if you want it to yeah. float and you want to be able to have it be expressive. You know how it is. Every time you bend a note, the bar moves. And, yeah, um, the other strings go Yeah, south. and I can't let go of that, the way that I used to bend notes before I started using the twang bar. And so I, without knowing it, I really did a number on myself really? with the fenders, yeah. But maybe it's because you've been playing tendon. all night long. It could be that, yeah. For hours. Shovik <laughs> yeah. at Abstract Logic says sometimes you go in here like sometimes. all night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know... It's, it's just I, I never play if I don't feel like it. I just play if I well, feel like it. That's fantastic. But yeah. if you love it, you know, it's so it's not hard to do. It's, it is, but I am getting. So I'm 55. You know, man, I've been playing a long time, and I'm getting tendonitis. You something to your left wrist there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I did, but it's not going to stop me. But I probably should take some type of, you know, yeah. should probably go see somebody about it. <laughs> Get rolled. Haven't done. I got an elbow brace sometimes. That helps, you know. Oh. I'm not wearing it now, but you when know. you play, you wear it. Tonight? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, cool. I mean, not because I'm really in pain. I find out, you know, how when you're playing, you don't yeah. think about these oh, things. Yeah, yeah. But then after the gig, like maybe you know, then you're like, ow, you know, that I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Some people talk about rolfing a lot with this. You have someone do that rolf technique. They dig into your muscles up in your forearm. Yeah, and it seems to help. Yeah, big time. I'm yeah. sure it does. And yeah. then you can say, man, I got rolfed. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> so you're saying you like some new amps too? What's yeah, Germinos, yeah. Fuchs amps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, both of those are great. Fuchs is probably the best channel switching amp I've I've ever plugged into. And then the, yeah. the Germino is a, pretty much a dead ringer for like a late 60s Marshall Plexi. Um, I've got a 50 watt, or and I've also got a 100 watt. The 100 watt is just a beast. Did I see a Fuchs on your on your uh, Red Rock shows, or maybe? I mean, recently? Yeah. Or what, what did you? So recently, you I three, used a Germino, I think. Yeah, I think uh, but, but yeah, I've used the Fuchs for years. Yeah. So what what would yeah. be your setup if you were going to go do Red Rocks tomorrow? What would you bring? And I like I like the kind of amps. You know, I, I love the channel switching amps, the flexibility they afford, which the Fuchs would get the call like like that if I was going to use that. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, uh, you know, the kind of amps where you you just crank them. This is what I, I I love this. You know, you crank you crank an old Marshall, you crank it on eight. Yeah, yeah. it's loud, but your your volume on your instrument or your volume pedal is not on the floor all the time. You yeah. know, the beauty of that is you know you, you you can roll off and you get this sublime clean tone. But when you when you when you give the volume back, it 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 you know it gets yeah. more saturated, and then you can have an overdrive pedal too, and then you can have with your volume pe- um, you know volume control in different places. Then yeah. you get 
another whole varying degree of tones from that sound, you know, with the pedal right. on, messing with the knobs, yeah. and then with the pedal off, messing with the knobs. And so it just, it's yeah. a flexible thing. It's so simple, though. And this is what I've um, discovered here at Crossover, you know, with the boatloads of stuff that I'll bring down here during the off time. I love I, I, I love old twins. I mean, a lot of people don't know that twins can sound like a gigantic super reverb. But if you go into the amp and... Um, old twin reverbs? Yeah. Yeah, but you got to do a few things, you know. It's not yeah. a lot, though. I mean, I can do it myself, and I'm no amp tech. But you can, you know, you can disconnect the, uh, the intensity knob. Okay. And when you do that, it takes that out of the circuit. It's not enough to just remove the... The tube for the they call it they call it yeah. vibrato but it's actually trim tremolo you know on the yeah. amp you know but if you remove the tube it really won't take it out of the circuit you have to desolder de yeah i mean fenderguru.com's got all these little things you can do and that's one of them disconnect the the, the intensity and um <clears throat> then you want to you know tape up the the ends of the wires so they don't touch each other because that would be bad. I think so. And then you can pull out, like, you know how most guys play through the, the vibrato channel, like right. on, on your deluxe reverb there. And so if you're not using the first channel, the normal channel, if you pull that preamp tube out that runs that channel, V1, it'll actually bias the V2 tube just a tiny bit hotter. And so that makes the amp break up a little sooner. And so if you disconnect the intensity knob on the, on the vibrato, and then you also pull out the, the tube for um, V1, easily put back if you want to put right. it back, it, you lose a little bit of that glassy fender sound, but what you get in return is a much more focused and um, a sound that breaks up in a really good way. And then, and then you crank a twin, you put a twin on 80. It's loud, it's loud yeah. as balls, but, man, it's the real sound. And that's been yeah. one of my favorite... I mean, it's like a giant super reverb. It's, it's amazing. That's cool, man. Yeah. Tone hack. Like yeah. Life hack. I'm tone. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it's so so pure, it, there's nothing to hide behind. It's like an old Marshall, you know. There's just nothing to hide behind. And if you have an overdrive box, you know, you can have that and then yeah. have a range of, of tones you can get by messing with your volume control. Same thing with the yeah. with a volume pedal. But, well, you know, a guitar like this one. It's only got one volume knob. It's wired like a Stratocaster. It's got, you know, a five-way yeah. switch and three pickups, you know. Um, yeah. I don't really need a volume pedal with this guitar because it's only right. got one knob. But the humbucker right. guitars I use, I always have two volumes and one tone. And then then I need a volume pedal because I can't control the whole guitar. I like it yeah. on both pickups with the neck rolled off just a little bit. It's uh, just yeah. like a bridge pickup sound but a little bit yeah. sweeter. And it's pretty noticeable. Yeah, I and know. so and so I can't, you know, I need a vine pedal for that because you can't, if you mess with one of the knobs, you're messing yeah. with the blend of the two pickups, because you got it on both pickups, you know. So and you, are those the stock pickups on there? Yeah, yeah. man. Some, what does he call those pickups? Those narrow are, field. Yeah, they're like <clears throat> mini humbuckers almost. I would say to people who haven't heard heard uh, one of these, and maybe people that even that even people who have heard them and didn't like them. Yeah. You, it's you got to find the right amp for them. You know, right. they're they're somewhere between a P90 and a full blown humbucker. You know, they yeah. clean up really nice, but man, they have a real distinctive thing when uh, when you if you if you can push yeah. some air with the amp like a super reverb wide open. You know, if if you're lucky enough to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of got grandfathered into all that. Uh, I haven't it's stopped a, doing it yet. It's a tradition <laughs> down here, man. It's like a I swear it's like. 
yeah. this part of the neck, <laughs> this neck of the woods, you get more of that guitar cable cranked up amp, and that's it. Well, I mean, I, I wish I could say that I yeah. I don't have anything, but I do oh, yeah. like to have. I mean, with these with these old single channel amps, or not yeah. single channel, but with the, these yeah. old amps that don't have channel switching, yeah. um, the old Fender amps. I need an overdrive box. I mean, I don't have it on all the time, but I just yeah. need to have it yeah. just for whenever you do want to push it to that place. And uh, What kind of box are you using these days? Same you're... one. I, I've tried a bunch of different stuff. I recently yeah. tried, uh, I'm still using the, the Hughes and Kettner tube factor. We've yeah. A-B'd it with just about everything that, that all yeah. the ones that people talk about. And um, I just can't, I, I yeah. guess, it, you know, familiarity, yeah. you know, I'm used to it and um and I've been using it for years. It just seems to work so good with a Fender amp. Now people go, "Yeah, but the red channel. This is see my. <laughs> I never use the red channel. I mean, I tape. Yeah. I put a bottle cap over that switch. Yeah. Do you know this pedal at all? It's got a green channel, yeah, and then when you hit the red button, it just adds some clipping diodes on top of the green channel. You right. know what I mean? So it just adds more to it, but. You don't need that if you crank the amp. See, and that's what I do. And that's why yeah. I love this pedal so much, because I never oh, yeah. use the green channel. I don't even crank the gain. The gain's about halfway, maybe a little bit past halfway. And my volume is almost never all the way up when the overdrive box is on. It just has this, this it sounds like the amp. And that's yeah. why I like it. But I, I just recently got one, you know, the new uh, Riverside by Strymon. I just got that. So I'm, I'm messing with it, you know. That's cool. I'm messing with it. But my thing is to crank the amp and get yeah. qu pretty good yeah. overdrive just from the amp, and then yeah. then you use a little bit to push it a little further. Power tube. I mean, you know, there was a lot of people, yeah. you know, doing things with these Pro Juniors. I, th I heard Jeff Beck is using them. Damn. Pro Junior, you know. Yeah. He's got one in an ISO um, cabinet, mic'd. His right, tech right. told me that was the only thing on stage that was mic'd. Yes, he had a couple Marshalls up there, but they weren't mic'd. The thing mic'd yeah. was the Pro Junior, and I'm talking about the best guitar tone I've ever I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, it's just devastating. He had the whole he had ten thousand people in the palm of his hand. You know, he makes it sing without yeah. singing. Yeah, and he yeah. he makes the guitar yeah. sing. It's it's inspiring. Well, you want to um, let me hear those pickups. <laughs> Let's see. These are uh, you've got a deluxe reissue, and I've got a Vibrolux reissue. to do yeah 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 you can hear what it yeah. wants to do yeah yeah these these pickups are cool in this thing but you know they yeah. it, it i think it depends on what you oh, plug yeah. them into you of know? course yeah no last time i hung out with you i think you showed me the happiest lick of all time <laughs> matt mundy lick what was it yeah that's it yeah that's a yeah. great that's a great warm-up yeah, can you show me some of that stuff? Or, um, yeah, well, or, yeah, I don't know. You got to be friends with him, I guess, in Aquarium oh, yeah. Rescue. And yeah, it, that's and right. Yeah, running. man, he he was. Yeah. I mean, he is just one of the greats of all time. You know, he was like yeah. it was like a young Django or something. You know, he 
every night he would do something we hadn't heard him do the night before. And th there's just no, it, you know what I mean? You can't put a price on that. I mean, having an outlet like that, it was, it was, it was a magical time period. It was just this big learning situation, yeah. you know, where every night you got a chance to, I mean, they didn't want to hear what you played last night. I mean, you better not play what you played last night <laughs> with right. that band. Cause they would be like, I heard that last night, you know? Uh, and so which, yeah. which forced you into a situation of, okay, well, I can't do what I did last night. Maybe I can do what I did last night, like a half step, a half step up or something. <laughs> you know, that's how yeah. it kind of started. It's like, oh, well, shit, nothing, you know, nothing's going to work unless I play it in the wrong place, you know. But then through that, I, I got to learn a lot. And I learned a lot from Matt. Matt had a lot of those kind of things. I haven't played like that for a yeah. while. But, I mean, he he comes from a bluegrass tradition so he had all these fiddle tunes yeah. and celtic things that were just and that was one of them that he showed me and yeah. we used to play that but i haven't played a, a lot yeah. of a lot of that kind of stuff in a long time but we used to mess yeah. around with blackberry blossom yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm not warmed up yet. Let's do something slow first. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know, you know, yeah. um, like if if I were just going to yeah. sit here and warm up, it would probably yeah. be, you know, just playing these. Uh, I like to take yeah, like it's a melodic tool, you know, but like in yeah. you know, like a D minor chord, you just yeah. play the scale but leave the sixth out, you know. You know, okay. just. And it, it makes you think because, you know, you can't just, it's not symmetrical. You know, you right. can't, it's not three notes on every string. It's not two notes on every string. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. good. And, and to play that through the, the different keys or just play the same one all over the neck, same, I mean, the same scale, you know. Or get up here. pick matters a lot to me and yeah. i mean i've used been using v picks for quite a long time yeah. and recently i started using um red bear picks um oh, this yeah. is a red bear pick and it's you know it's it's heavy enough it, they have a really nice sound what's that made of like unobtainium it's, it's made you know <laughs> it's it's supposed to be imitation of tortoise yeah. shell this thing is intimidating to play through. I can't turn the guitar up. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if we could get more comfortable. Maybe if we put the amp out in that room or something. <laughs> the amp's on less than two. I know. <laughs> Either that or yeah. just put a blanket over it or something. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, if I hear too much of myself, my picking hand automatically goes, uh-uh. You know that feeling, you know. Sound, you know, like. And being able to put just a little bit of air between you and the sound helps, you know. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah, well, this might help some. Okay. Is that all right?
It's okay. You liking it? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, as long as it's not too loud. I think we're groovy. We're looking out here. You would yeah. never know that somebody that plays too loud all the time would be so sensitive to how loud it is. I just, you I, know, it's I'm all about you. context, you know. Man, sometimes when I'm at sound check, it's like I'm the first one ready and like... It's so loud before the drums and bass. Well, they they always in. go. Let me hear some guitar, and there's nobody else playing. And yeah. they, you know, I mean, that's intimidating because they look at you like, really? Are are yeah. you joking? And then <laughs> this has been happening to me for 25 years, and I'm yeah. like, they're not even playing yet, and yeah. the guy's just shaking his head. And then of course, after the show, he comes up and goes. You were so right. I had to push you really hard to get you in the PA once the drums and the bass started playing. I'm like, well, yeah. Right. You know, you know, it, it's all context, you know, because um, guys who can go play gigs with deluxe reverbs, I really envy them, you know, but they're not hitting with hard-hitting drummers. You know, a hard-hitting drummer can eclipse a deluxe reverb, just eclipse it. No. You know, it just depends on who you're playing with and how intense it'll get. There's nothing worse than not having the reserve power. Like you're in the yeah. middle of your statement, the band is really keying in on you, yeah. and they're playing with you. And then you get to a certain level, and you got nothing left. But they got a lot left if they yeah. hit the drums harder. <laughs> you see, yeah, so you, that's why I need all this headroom from things like Super Reverbs and Twins because, you know, yeah. I I think personally that. You can create more drama when you have a bigger dynamic range, you know. So your loud is pretty freaking loud, but then your soft can be really soft, and you know, yeah. and then and it's such a long way from the loud to the soft, it's more dramatic, you know. Whereas yeah, if your amp only has 12 watts, you know, you can max out when you max out at a certain place. It's all about who you're playing with and the music you're playing and the venue you're playing in, and I I know that, but. You know, that's the way I think about it. When I first saw you, you know, I walked into the House of Blues. We were on the same bill. Right. You were JGB. Exactly. Yeah. House we of had Blues a blast. LA. Yeah. This was like, this is 1998 or something. Was it? Wow. Yeah. You were just long time taking ago. it to the stratosphere. You had Man. like a PRS hollow body and yeah. uh, you're doing that volume pedal yeah. thing and, and also switching between the two. At that time, a Fender yeah. amp and a Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I had a 50-watt Marshall and a, and a Showman for the clean, and I would just switch between the two of them with that Ernie Ball pan yeah. pedal. And you got I, the insane sustain, too, like feedback notes forever with that hollow body. Yeah, absolutely. That And, and you'd stand yeah. in the right place with that thing, and it would... You know, when I got it, it had um, underwound pickups in it, and... It just didn't, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't do what I needed it to do. So I asked them if they could just put normal solid body pickups in the guitar and they did and it and that transformed it, you know. Wow, see yeah. tip. There. I still have it. It's a beautiful instrument. I haven't played it in a while, but it's yeah. you know how you go through different things. Sure. Yeah. It's a great instrument. Now, what was the first lick you ever played? Do you remember? Let's go. What, no. Well, I, first of all, you grew up where you said, I mean, I guess your father was a judge. What, yeah. What's it like having a your father as a being, he was, being a judge? He was in a, it, I felt so bad for him, especially when I think back on it. He had three boys. You know, we were all, we all loved rock and roll. I was the youngest. So yeah. when I was a kid, you know, my dad was a judge. My brothers had long hair or they wanted to, but, you know. 
maybe didn't get to because you know my dad was a judge you know and uh you know but that Jimi hendrix santana grateful dad almond brothers all the classic rock that we know of now it's called classic rock but it was all playing in our house when i was very young and so it it made a big impression on me and my dad was so supportive when i wanted to be a musician so you're the youngest of the brothers yeah so you had all those records sitting there i sure did yeah yeah it was amazing incredible record collection and my brothers were into everything current but they were also into stuff that you know like i you know i didn't know what it was you know miles davis you know wayne shorter they had some of these records you know bitches brew yes my brother had bitches brew sure did yeah first introduction to that mclaughlin guy. yes he turned me on to uh ma vishnu I heard Ma Vishnu before I heard Bitches Brew, though. And what were you playing back when you first got your guitar? Just all that kind of rock stuff? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I was, I was really into, you know, Zeppelin. I was even into Kiss when I was really young. I learned a lot from learning their little riffs and stuff yeah. in like sixth and seventh grade, you yeah. know. And, um, you know, in Aerosmith, I got really into them, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I love I love their first three four albums, you know, and that, that's I learned how to play a lot of that stuff back then. And you were playing sax and stuff at school, but <laughs> yeah, the, what happened? The guitar was just calling you. How did this work? Yeah, yeah. The guitar just, um, you know, I mean, it's like I heard Wayne Krantz say it the other day. He was being somebody showed me an interview Dweezil Zappa did with Krantz. It was great, wasn't it? And Krantz, he, he said, "What drew you to the guitar?" And Krantz said, uh, "The fact that nobody told me to practice it." You know, nobody <laughs> said, here, play this, you know. Really? I guess it was kind of like that for me. And just, you know, my brothers were so, like, music was such a big part of our lives. Back then, music was just everything, you know. And you had to use your imagination because there, you know, there weren't any videos or anything like that. It's just a different time, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm born in 62. By the time I was 10, it was 72. 73, 74, 75, I was just like... You're in the middle of it. That's yeah. like Hendrix has been out. Let's yeah. Let's his first four albums. Yeah, yeah. Deeper, everything's been there. Been yeah, there. man. Just brand new. Yeah, Almond Brothers, you know. Brothers. I was really into all of it, you know. And I mean, I didn't wasn't trying to play it as, you know, as an 8 or 10-year-old, uh, 12-year-old. I probably didn't start trying to play the stuff that until I was about 14, 13, 14, you know. Right. You know, picking stuff apart, tearing up my brother's records, you know. Back then, no cassette tapes yet, yet, you know, so you had to, you know how you pull the the needles, has this, uh, on the turntables from the 70s, there was this little lever you could lift up that would lift the needle off off the record. You know, you'd listen to a piece of a lick, you couldn't listen to the whole thing, then you couldn't (laughs) do it. You had to just listen like the first three notes and then lift the you know, thing up um, yeah. and then back it up and put it down again. You know, you can tear up records like that. I know. I remember, <laughs> I remember finding a turntable that went down to, what's the slow speed? 17? Eight, like it's basically. 16, I think. Yeah. Was it's it basically 16? an octave lower if you play it and you could hear everything and rock. <laughs> yeah. And you could learn it that way, but it sounded like it was played on a bass or a baritone guitar. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it did. You know, I remember sitting up all night learning that Steve Morse. Uh, I hadn't played that in years. Let's see. <laughs> I forgot that, man. That was my whole life for a long time. That's it, yeah. Something, yeah I, forgot. I loved I loved Steve, man. Steve Steve was like the first guy I heard that 
made me start realizing that holy shit you know i mean uh, you know this has got to be a commitment it's, it's yeah. got to be a commitment you can't you know like if you want to play music like this man you gotta you gotta change your your approach you know <laughs> and commit yeah. you know and it did it was a big time commitment how, what how, what did you change about your approach after that I had to start practicing right like not just playing for fun but really trying to well, well it was fun yeah. but i mean you know I, I went through that period of of you know intense practice and now i just play when i feel like playing i still work on stuff but it never feels like i don't have a regimen you know but i do play for a, a lot of you know long periods of time but it's fun you I know i think that's maybe with yeah. truly many truly great players they mm -hmm. start off for fun and then they go through a couple yeah. of decades of insane regimented practicing and then it's fun again <laughs> i yeah. mean it's fun the whole time but but yeah. now yeah for you all the the gigs that you have you get to <laughs> really be free and a lot of the stuff man what a gift that is Incredible. it just yeah. frees you up and like lately all i've been doing is i got this little ditto pedal you know it's yeah. like and i'll just put chord progressions in it and just play for hours over those chord. you're trying to learn to play through moving chord progressions you know that aren't all in one key it's hard you know sax players laugh because it's so easy for them <laughs> at least the ones that i know they're they're like ah oh, man i'm bored with changes let's just play over one chord you know and, and, and guys like us that's how that's what we're used to you know playing rock and roll played and also you know a modal exploration over one chord or whatever but that's the part that comes easy but it's funny how it with you know other people it doesn't come easy and like they might be able to play changes like like you could never do yeah. but when you put one chord in front of them they're they, they run out of ideas quickly for me it's the opposite so i have to i can't keep... really do either but that's just me yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I beg to differ i know better than that <laughs> dude i we, i gotta hear you just you know let's loosen up a little bit yeah, yeah. well i have to play what should i play for you i don't know um let's see uh let's just pick up a, a progression you want to let's just take these two chords and play around it a little bit like e major seven to d flat seven that's beautiful I just got to get warmed up. Okay.
love your dynamics within the line. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do, but I don't really think about it. I just yeah. kind of, you know, start playing. And, and I'm definitely not loose yet, but yeah, you know, that playing stuff like that will help me get loose. You know? That's what gives you it a... You sound great on that, oh, man. Thanks. Well, I really like, you know, like just picking two chords that aren't yeah. from the same key necessarily, and you just have to kind of try to weave in and out of it, you know. Sometimes yeah. two, sometimes four chords, you know. Sure. Yeah, this is E major to... It's just E major 7 to D flat 7, yeah. You know, you're just playing yeah. like... Some to it. Yeah, you can play Lydian yeah. over the E major and then like mix Lydian over the... You know, I like to use chromatic, you know, and, you know, look... Yeah. You know how you you know how you go like against the yeah. D flat seven. Well, that fourth right there, the the, yeah. the F sharp. Like if you go if you move it to a G, a G you get but instead of just playing you know that melodic minor scale like overtly, you know right. weaving in and out of it. You know like um you know you go. Or, or something so you're like, kind of you know, right there. You're going f between like a. That's really harsh sounding, isn't it? I I like I don't it. Think it's too bad. Okay. Not to my ears. Okay, thanks. It's got a nice kind of blues Tw sound. Tweaky to thing it. to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, infinitely better than just the flat tone that I you know that I have here at level one. The minus one. Tone. You yeah, want the minus. So you got your little like d flat mixolydian yeah. vibe and then you were going to a well just yeah it's just like you just take the fourth yeah. scale degree and raise it up a half step like yeah and then you can you know i like to use them both on the way you know like like that you know where you're yeah. using it and then you resolve it by going yeah you know and on the way up it'd be like The idea is just yeah. using these chromatic ways of connecting, like. You know, those, those kind of things. That's kind of like just the stuff that I'm starting to find now. I've been, I yeah, guess I've been sounds... doing stuff like that for years, I guess, but I'm starting to yeah. find it in different places now. Like, like, I, I would go like. You know, and it's it's Beautiful. all yeah. It's just thank you, man. But you know, it's just yeah. right. Or, you know, you know, yeah, it's, it's all right around. You know, weaving in and out of the shape. You know that we all use. You know? Yeah, nothing's like super outside, but right. yet it, though you throw so much of it in in one phrase that it's <laughs> really beautiful. But you still Thanks, hear, you man. still hear all the bluesiness to it. Thanks. You know, horn yeah. players are probably, if they heard us talking about that, they'd be going, oh, my God. They'd be laughing at us because this is so natural to them, you know. Oh, yeah. But for us guitar players, you know, I love horn players, and I find tremendous inspiration in listening to them and trying to just kind of cop some of the lines they yeah. might play. Well, it's a real thrill if there's a someone who understands electric guitars and tone and uh -huh. loud amps. Uh -huh. That can also <laughs> channel a horn player through that. That's a really rare thing, and it's like a real thrill to well, behold. <laughs> man, thank you, man. I, I, I'm searching. I'm, I'm still going to keep searching for that. But you know, I yeah. mean, I, 
It's funny. I, you know who Bill Evans is, the great horn player yeah. that played with, with um, a lot of great people, yeah. too many to name. He and I have talked about the, the you know, just about the playing changes, playing uh, over one chord. Like, he is so done with changes. I mean, he can do it, like, better than anyone, but it's, like, easy for him. It's, like, boring to him in a way. Yeah. And I don't want to put words in his mouth. I can't I'm just, wait till it's boring for me. No, no, it'll never be boring for me because it's so not natural to my, you know, like I have to work at that and I have to, I'll have to work at that for the rest of my life. It's not easy to do like in, in a phrasing and things like that. You know, I love the way horn players phrase and I think it's, it's important because you have to take a breath in order to produce a note and we can get so lost being guitar players, you know, in that not yeah. having to do that you know yeah. we don't have to do that you know, i mean we could play 16th notes for as long as until our arm fell off yeah. you know many of us do yeah many of us <laughs> do I, I mean i'm as guilty as anyone of, of doing that you know but i love i love the way singers and horn players um phrase things because they have to take a breath at some point and the and, and when you hear different people's styles it's interesting to see where they breathe and where they take their pauses and you know yeah. it's it's wonderful it's wonderful and so i try to listen to stuff like that and, and get some you know some mojo from it all i know I, is bruce hampton once told me you never take a breath and then i was like oh no that's the worst thing that's the <laughs> curse of guitar and so like i yeah. really started thinking about it at that point now i don't think about it so much anymore because i've i've listened yeah. to so much music where guys have to take you know and well we're, we're people women yeah. included i love singers i just saw bonnie Raitt last night she just yeah. absolutely destroyed me destroyed me and she was incredible and that was with uh james that was with taylor james taylor too, and, and uh, he was incredible i mean they, it was man you know they're they're, they're so they don't make yeah. one ugly sound like no every n nuance every everything that comes out of either of their mouths is music I envy that. I don't want to make ugly sounds. I don't want to, you know, clank notes, and I don't want to play stupid shit that's not yeah. musical. And they don't do that. <laughs> Everything's musical that they sing and play. You yeah, know, I love that. I been doing it that way for decades. Yeah, you know? definitely. And your friend from the Ringers was there, right? Mike Landau, man, he is an absolute master. You know, I mean, yeah. the way he plays that gig. And Steve Gadd playing drums. The, the way those guys, I mean, we all know that these guys are virtuosos, you know. When you hear yeah. them play this music, the, the seasoning and the maturity and how they approach playing this music is so inspiring, you know. Because, you know, yeah. they could go out there and play a thousand notes, but they don't do that because that music doesn't call for that. You know, they they play, everything they play is, is like a, a lesson in restraint and and taste you know so it's very inspiring i mean i was so inspired last night i went back home and played for another two hours after the show just like ah you know, oh, that's like, awesome so you went downstairs and played or something yeah where did, where did you i play? didn't even plug in i just you played just yeah yeah because i mean you know our you know my, my 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 little man cave is right under the our bedroom and so right. she can hear me we don't I'm in the unfinished part of the basement. <laughs> I keep it that way. I don't want it finished. I don't want to make it nice. You're saying she lets you out of the basement sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Mostly, I don't ever want to leave home. You know, I just want to. I want to be at home, surrounded by you know, right, right. my comfort zone where I can play or not play or whatever I want to do. And uh, 
of course, I got to leave home all the time. So, <laughs> you gotta work yeah, you got to do it. <laughs> the McLaughlin tours like yeah. got me like, you know, up yeah. at night in a good way, though, in a oh, good yeah. way. I just have so much to work on just because that that music's so near and dear to me. And it changed my life. And when I first heard McLaughlin, it was like my brother played me Intermountain Flame. Of course, then I had to go back and find out everything he had done before that. So I went in with Laughlin Rabbit Hole for many years. And um, a lot of it was just listening to it because I was so young. There's no way I, I, I had no idea that anyone could have that kind of discipline. Uh, and I was like wanting to play rock and roll. And then I hear that, but I couldn't find any singers. So my brother said, oh, well, why don't you play instrumental music? And then I'm like, what's that? He plays Intermounting Flame for me. And then I found the Dixie Dregs and my life changed forever, you know, uh, because, you know, just it changed. You know, there was a whole lot of years where, you know, you if you want to play that kind of music, it's not all about technique because those guys are past the technique. But you got to develop the technique to be able to play that music. And um, but, you know, once you yeah. get to their level, they've transcended it, you know. So yeah. I, I had to I had to, you know, spend the time trying to get enough chops just to be able to play the melodies, you know. But, uh, you know, then I got, yeah. you know, into different other things after that. And so now, I, like I said, I haven't been practicing in that way. Uh, for quite a long time and so yeah. it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna i've been well now i have a so little you guys bit. have a, a set worked out for uh your collaborative set um we we have an idea but until john you know gives us the absolute we don't we know what i think we know what a few of them are going right. to be but i can't really say what they are of course now um, yeah what were you practicing when you first started studying him what were you getting from him can you show me some stuff that you were... well you know yeah i mean well um hearing him and jan hammer play together of course yeah. that led me down a jan hammer rabbit hole with jeff beck too yeah you know other than what he did with mclaughlin but you know yeah. you know they uh, the You know how he yeah. would play pentatonics? Yeah, yeah. Like, my approach to, you know that song Hope? You ever heard the song Hope? It's the one that goes. Wow. And then it starts over again. Okay, now this yeah. is a song that I've always loved. It's like a mantra. It, it, it doesn't have a B section. Right. John didn't take a solo on it. Nobody did. It was a statement, a beautiful statement. Um, the violin played the melody. John played the melody with him sometimes, and then the bass line was doubled with a with a big guitar sound. It was just wicked sounding, you know, really cool. But I always thought, God, I, I want to learn what that is. 
Um, and so I learned what I took the melody, which is, uh, let's see. And then put it with the bass line and you end up getting these chords. And then, yeah. right? Yeah, you have a photographic memory, my friend. Well, I mean, I had to work at that. Yeah. I had, I, I didn't. I, no, I mean, I've been working on this yeah. tune recently. All right. But um, you know, and then it's got the part. Dun, dun, dun. And then, then the same thing, you know, yeah. uh, up a little bit higher, you know. Anyway, I wanted to learn how to play through that. So it was like, you know, and he didn't take a solo on it. So I thought, I want, I want to record this. So I ended up recording it. But it's hard to play through. Put that but into your ditto when huh? play over that. Huh? Put it into your ditto looper. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, you know, you get you, you, those two chords yeah. right there. Can you play those for a second? Yeah, yeah the thumb over there. Yeah, it's just, it's just a D flat over an F. Right, okay. So you're basically out of this key right here. Like... Both chords from the same key, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then you, and then now the next chord is, it's like a, it's like a A flat major seven flat five. Yeah. And then on this one, you can play a pentatonic yeah. down a half step. That's one. Of, that's why I bring this up is because yeah. that's one of the first things I learned from John is the way he would use pentatonics over other chords. And right, so right. when this mm -hmm. chord comes, you know, he's playing yeah. the G pentatonic, and then the next chord is E seven sharp nine, like a Henry. And see, on that chord, you can also play that same G, yeah. uh, which would be up a minor third from the root of the chord. You hear Sco using that yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. Well, it it lasts it ve a very short time, right. so you only have a second, you know. But then it goes yeah. to this, this chord, which is like um, E flat over A, and like yeah. on that chord, if you play like a, yeah, you play that, you can play C minor pentatonic. So when you get between these yeah. two chords, right, on the G pentatonic, yeah. and then and then you go to C pentatonic, you know, and it yeah. creates interesting lines because you got yeah. the consonants of, of these two chords, right? And right. then you get the dissonance of these two. And then the big dissonance of this one. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see if I can remember it. So it's going oh, like one. Three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five. Like, you know, like that. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three. Mm. Yeah. Six, and then seven. it's got it's got yeah. more to go, but the idea that for bringing it up was because, you know, you were asking yeah. like and the way he plays these pentatonics is just really interesting. And, you know, uh, a, a lot of what I learned from him, I have to be in a zone to access it. You know, like I have to be really loose and my picking hand has to be, I have to yeah. not be in, in front of my, I have to get out of my own way or I can't play like that. You know what I mean? Some people I really envy that they can just 
bring out all these chops like anytime they want for me yeah. it's got to be a, a perfect storm of the right situation you know it's like i get nervous and yeah. you know and if i'm not motivated to to play a certain way i can't i can't deliver it but if i play long enough you know and get loose and comfortable in my surrounding you know the you know john john has wicked chops and and so much yeah. deep it's like he's so far past the technique and the rhythm the math in the rhythm the math and the rhythm and his technique are yeah. a big part of what he does but his compositions man i mean you know he's 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 transcended all that math and everything that he doesn't have to think about that like that just is a part yeah. of who he is and it's so natural and wonderful to hear him go you know yeah i mean so how are you feeling about this tour it looks like you guys are selling out <laughs> shows all over the place you're gonna go all over the country buffalo on the november when's it start? <sighs> November I think 1st. it starts right after Halloween. Yeah, November first yeah. in Buffalo. You end yeah. up in L.A. and uh, yeah, playing down on the beach in Mexico for yeah. a free concert. A lot of shows. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, but you know, I'll be so relieved once we get going doing it instead oh, yeah. of this 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 anticipation of it is nerve wracking. But yeah. you know, but it's in a good way. Oh, of course. And yeah. man, the first song I predict you'll be feeling good <laughs> well thanks it, yeah. it might take a little while but I, I can't wait i can't wait i'm really excited about it yeah all right um what about no is that uh matt mundy on the on fixing to die on the live version the first solo yes that is just that's astounding that's isn't it sick electric mandolin or yes it is and this is this is even more astounding when you think about it matt had uh, a four string electric mandolin that didn't have double strings and he really yeah. hated that it didn't have double strings you know because he comes from playing yeah. an acoustic and he wanted double strings but he didn't have that but the one that he had was built by a local luthier here called kent everett and uh he built a brilliant little instrument for matt and matt sounded amazing on that thing but he somebody handed him right before that show that yeah. became the album they handed him a five string he had never played a five string before so it had a low c string on it <laughs> which and, he had never <laughs> never had that in his hands before but went right to the stage with it and played what you heard on that record so he just and he wasn't even used to that instrument running with that extra string yeah i mean and that was a, yeah. a homemade instrument by a good friend of ours named jim bickerstaff beautiful instrument yeah. but i mean you know matt had never gotten the chance to even get used to it and just took you know he was fearless and he took that thing right to the stage yeah he played his butt off yeah. on that just a quick time out here to again thank prs guitars for sponsoring this episode of no guitar is safe with prs artist jimmy herring if you haven't checked in with prs in a while well this is your friendly reminder to take a minute to see some of their new gear earlier this year prs announced the sanzera family of amplifiers featuring a vintage voice clean channel and impressive spring reverb and if high gain is more your style 
Well, PRS Archon amplifiers are a must here. And of course, PRS has also infiltrated a whole new scene with their S2 series guitars. The S2 series is made in Maryland and starts at just $9.99. Whatever flavor you're looking for, be sure to check them out and see why players like Jimmy Herring are using PRS. I don't know if I've ever heard you just play blues. Yeah.
Nah, thanks, man. <laughs> Let's do one like this. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool man a blues is really something that's fun to fun to play for sure now colonel bruce hampton yeah 
I have, first of all, my condolences. It must have Thank been like you. a family member to you. Man, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's normally a video of somebody passing away on stage would be pretty hard to watch. But yeah. me, I, you know, I never knew. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's actually something really beautiful about it. He's surrounded by his friends. It's like his 70th birthday, I guess. Yeah, the and day after. Yeah. day after. Mm-hmm. And people don't even know really what's going on because he, I guess he would do goofy stuff on stage. Yeah, he was known to do quite a lot of, you know, things that were out of the ordinary. Hey, yeah. Any favorite stories or memories of him or just too More many? More than or? I can count. Like, every, you know, every day it was a new, a yeah. new lesson with Bruce. Bruce never taught us, you know, like how to play or what to play. He just, he put us in a, he gave us an outlet to where yeah. you could be free to search you know, to try things that you normally would get fired yeah. for, you know. Uh, I mean, he might fire people for being too loud, <laughs> but he's not going to fire them because they're trying to search for new music, you know, and trying to get out of their own way. That's that's mainly what I learned about from him was, um, well, it's, it's hard to say that, but because I learned so much from him. He was like a father yeah. figure and also a best friend and also... A musical mentor he was yeah. all these things rolled into one and it's it, it, and he was he was my muse you know he was the thing that kept us from being just another fusion band for lack of a better word um he you know he 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 tried to teach us how to get out of our own way which is the hardest thing to do you know like right now what? like I, I can never get out of my own way what does like, that mean get out of your own way you know what i mean the idea is to you do all the thinking and the practicing, you know, not while you're on stage. And, you know, in the, on the stage, the, the idea, come, this is Bruce's, you know, and others' yeah. philosophy. You don't want to do it. You don't want to be the one that does it. You want to be out of the way of it. And so it can come through you. And then have you ever had those magic nights where maybe a year later, maybe two or ten years later, you hear a tape and you go, who is that playing? That's the kind of night I'm talking about. You know, because yeah, yeah. you don't recognize yourself. You're like, that's not me. I didn't right. do that. I didn't learn that. I didn't preconceive that. See, that's that's the shit, right? It's like beyond improvisation. It's like well, that, yeah, pouring me, through you. And to, yeah, and, well, and, and that doesn't happen all the time, you know, f- f- for me. But I'm just saying that's the goal, you know, and that's what we learn, or at least I, that's one of the things I learned from Bruce is. It's just a headspace that you, it helps to be playing with them every night. And then, you know, and you're on tour and we were touring a lot when when I worked with him. I mean, we did a couple of 200 show years. Wow. And and it was like, man, you know, you were, every night you were in an outlet where, yeah, you might find, you you know, you might find new things and way more so than you would sitting there with a metronome in the practice room not to say that that's not important too it is but i'm just saying yeah it was all about that the live album was truly live in fact um we were playing we were opening for widespread panic for three nights at the georgia theater and the 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 record plant truck was out in front of the venue because Widespread Panic was doing a video of that show, Capricorn Records, right. you know, was paying for it. That was the one with Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, yes, he was the director. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and and 
and we had told Capricorn that we 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 thought we were a live band, and that if we were going to make a record, we were on Capricorn too, and and it, you know that we should probably record the show live and they said you know after hearing studio stuff we had done they were like yeah we agree with you you're a live band because <laughs> you know double-edged see compliment. see see man well no yeah. no we told them from the beginning we're a live band you know we right. studio is not our thing but they wanted to record us in the studio so we did like four songs or something right and you know man the studio is such a different animal altogether I mean, the way we were, we, we needed to set, if we were going to record live in the studio, we need to be set up like we play live, but we didn't do that. He was in that room. I was in this room. My amp was in the janitor's closet. You can't make music that way. I can't. Yeah. It's not going to be so, the same, at least. No, I can't. I can't use headphones. I hate headphones. It, it sounds like, the, right. you know, I can't, I just can't do it. No in-ears on I have stage a lot for of, you. No. I, I, I mean, there might be a way, like, um, someday where I'm, I never say yeah. never, but no, nah, man, I am kind of, like, stuck in the past right, right. for sure when it comes to that. And most people couldn't get away with playing those volumes. I, I But, man, if a super reverb, if you're playing rock and roll and a super reverb's too loud, I don't know what to say. You know, I, I heard from somebody that Jeff Beck never has his guitar wide open ever right and i don't think derek does either you know and these two guys have some of the best tone i think i've ever heard i heard jeff beck is loud on stage like with all the monitors and that i heard that from i mean people that work with jennifer, jennifer batten sure publicly will say that it was just well yeah he wants he, to feel it yeah wherever I, I you're it. you know wherever you're on stage you're going to be hearing that guitar <laughs> yeah that's because he walks yeah. all over the stage yeah. and he wants to be able to hear it all over the stage you know when i saw him yeah. the last time he had I th I'm guessing, but because I know he doesn't doesn't use reverb. He's not using reverb. He's using like a Pro Junior and no reverb yeah. pedals of any kind. But his sound guy dials in the reverb oh, yeah. for him. Yeah. But dude, it must be on the stage somehow, like side fills. I mean, oh, yeah. it sounded like you were in a sea of just beauty. It like you were in a cocoon of warmth when he was playing. And I mean, I could hear the reverb, and I was on the side of the stage, not out front. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, however he's doing it, uh, I want that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I want yeah. that because it sounded like a million bucks, and that yeah. was on side, you know, stage right. I could hear it beautifully. That's it sounded beautiful. amazing. Yeah, I love that live at Ronnie Scott's. Yeah, Angel Footsteps or something. Or oh, it was devastating. We gotta, we gotta play, play Jeff and out, outro jam here. Okay. Well, why don't we just? Gro this is one of Bruce's favorite grooves. Like, uh. Thank you. 
play for once and one. Second. those chords just <laughs> gotta steal it if i hear it is that from a song it's a riff that bruce used to use in in his sets and he would sing zambi's got a master plan you know peace and happiness it comes from i think it might be from roland kirk 
the original, different lyrics. I, although I'm not positive where it actually came from. Which so you got the new band, the Invisible Whip. So you're gonna go out and bust this out with eight, would then do the record after you get the live cohesion together. I or, guess I really maybe, don't know yet how knows? that's gonna how that's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, um, we're, well, we're, we're, we we have some new music, you know, um, uh, and, and we have a lot of the uh, music from the first two records that we did. There's going to be some stuff off there, you know, like New stuff. Moon will be in there, um, probably Scapegoat, some things like that, you know. Um, and then off the second record, there'll be a few things, too. I think we're going to be playing Hope, you know, the McLaughlin tune. Uh, and there'll, there'll be a few of those. And I hate to kind of play yeah. any of the new stuff like without without, the without whole, a good sound. Yeah. I would do it by myself. See if you if you came up here yeah. and and you were here when I was up here one night and I had like all that stuff I've been telling you about. Yeah. I would definitely play some of it for you and yeah. let you record it. And you know, please record it. But yeah, this is definitely not. Um, you know, that's right. not going to really. Well, there is there's uh, there's a lot of vibey stuff. You know, I'm looking. I, I'm really liking loving pink floyd and always have right. I, I like soft stuff too you know yeah. and I, I um there's there's some new there's some new tunes that you know that have like slow six eight uh there's some ballads yeah. well, i can play a little piece of this oh. little brisk tune for you oh, it's like uh Without the drums, you can't really tell what's going on, but it's still beautiful. I can feel it. Yeah, the idea with that yeah. tune is it's uh, it's got this this kind of uh, brisk kind of pace, but then the, the chorus goes into halftime. You know. Yeah. double time here you know um and i that, love it already man oh thanks man there's a there's these these changes here d flat seven yeah. to e minor e minor nine b and yeah. then d6 and then d flat seven yeah. and c major seven you know and then right back to b you know that that part is sort of part of the chorus and then, then yeah. there's an outro solo over that part you know which is uh, it's challenging to play over, but I mean it's, it's, yeah. it's easy as pie when you think about it. It's sort of like one of those. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. that, you know. Let's see, let's. Uh, if you were to to yeah. to just separate it, it'd be like a D flat seven, E minor nine, and yeah. to B, D six. Yeah. 
D flat seven to C major seven, then this guy. you know but that'll yeah. probably loop you know for a oh, while man. but it's really it's a challenge to play play over it you can probably hear there's a melody I changes in I the mean, line they're still echoing in my brain but yeah you know and then yeah and then and then and then let's see or and then you'll hear and then right back to you so you get these lines, you know. You know, and it's yeah. it's it's something I'll be working on for many years to come. Yeah. I love. What's the, what's the song called again? It doesn't have a name or, yet. But it might be called Bird in the House because you know, it's kind of it's kind of bouncy like. Have you ever had a bird get in your house? You know, like, it happens to us all the time. Like, if you leave the back door open, a bird flies in the house, and you're like, oh, no, how are we going to get it? That way, that way. (laughs) Yeah, my wife's gotten really good at catching the, not catching the bird, but getting it out the door, you know, you know. I know, even though I can't hear it all at once, but I mean, yeah. I, just, I can just picture Jeff Sight playing on it. Oh, boy. The yeah. whole He's thing. a monster. This whole yeah. riff here, like. That's in seven, four, five, yeah. six, seven, one. And Jeff is a master at that, that, that side stick where there's a there's a rim shot on every beat you you know and his he's so good at that and and i've always loved it when he did that and that's where this tune came from was you know knowing how great he he does that and it's just that riff came to me if you just go like just these two notes right Yeah, that's that's Okay, I got my part. Yeah. So if you were going two, three, four B minor B B D six D flat seven, and then just B two three. Okay, go ahead to D flat. Yeah. 
Check this out. idea you know like, you can just feel it builds one of those progressions is so epic it just you start building and <laughs> churning and just thanks like, man this is know. brand new hadn't yeah. hadn't even been recorded yet and then there's another tune that's it's like a slow six eight it's real simple but oh, it's yeah. just got a mood to it you know it's like mm-hmm. one two three one two three
That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's beautiful. Thanks. You're just going to be able to take that to the moon and back. Yeah. Sounds Thanks great. for playing around. That's yeah, yeah. It's just fun. Changes. Yeah. I mean, I'm still changes. I'm still working out some lines yeah. with you know. And then. Uh, you know, you can hear the the. That's a really cool change. I've yeah. used that in a bunch of tunes. I, I should probably say, okay, no more of that. <laughs> I just like that chord change for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. For some reason. Maybe uh, if we have time, let's talk a couple of little bit of things about some of these other incredible mm -hmm. gigs. But I don't think of them as gigs, just experiences that you've had playing with, say, like Phil Lesh. Oh, man. Amazing. I mean, that's a whole different genre of... It is. It's. It, it was out of my wheelhouse in a big way. You know, when I first started playing with him, it was like, it was like, almost like starting over again, but in a really, really healthy way. That's yeah. why I, I stayed there for six years. You know, because man, I was learning something new every day, and um, and and having being put in a position where you can't just play the way you normally play. That's really healthy. That's what it was with Bruce too. Like I couldn't just play the way I normally play. I. I, it had to, you know, you had to adapt, and that, that's really good for musicians. I, I'm I'm so glad to have had that. That's part of getting out of your own way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How did that Phil get you out of your comfort? What was what was new? Phil's about that? philosophy was similar to Bruce's in in a lot of ways. His yeah. uh, his philosophy is there are no wrong notes, only opportunities. You know, and I think yeah. that's really cool. You know. Um, I love That's that about forgiving, him. I guess it is. <laughs> but Phil didn't want he didn't want solos from people. What he wants is is like a, a group conversation. He's looking, he's look he views it as a, as though we're like a, a flock of birds or a school of fish, and you know how when right. when you watch a, a flock of birds fly, you know this is his analogy. <clears throat> Excuse me, when you watch a flock of birds or a school of fish, you'll see that sometimes this fish might be in the front and then. 
They might turn a different direction, and he's not in the front anymore. He's in the back somewhere. And then he may be in the middle right. for a while. And then he might yeah. come back to the front. You see what I mean? Like when you watch that's, birds in a formation. That's great. Uh, you know, so that's what he was looking for from us. It's almost like Dixieland in a way. But he wanted it improvised. You know what yeah. I mean? Like not pre-thought out, not talked about, you know. And that's difficult. So how does a band, like you're talking about basically... Well, earlier you were talking about an instrument musician getting out of his or her own way. How mm-hmm. does, now you're talking about a whole band kind of getting out of their own way, right? To well, create yeah. those conversations. That's right. About. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what Bruce was actually talking about anyway back in those days. It was not just one of yes. us. He meant all of us, you know. But but yeah, yeah, I would say that that's what Phil was looking for. You know, um, he didn't want to hear individuals. He wanted to hear you know the big picture which to me is what it should be about you know i, I think that's yeah. what it should be about you've had all these high profile gigs i mean now you play with the band that sells out red rocks more often than any other that's pretty band. awesome too playing in panic i mean it's those guys are and i've known them for so long uh i've known them since 89 and we've been good friends you know like they they uh they used to have a yeah. aru open for them and um i mean they helped us so much like bruce always said i wouldn't even be working if it weren't for those guys you know because he yeah and you know he we we have the deepest gratitude for for them and the the, the way they are as people and uh and they really helped us a tremendous amount they'd see me sleeping in a van in 1991 They'd go walking by on the way to the hotel or whatever and see me in the van and be like, what are you doing in there? And I'd be like, oh, nothing, man. I'm just, I'm just, you know, uh, resting my <laughs> eyes. They're like, you're sleeping in the van, aren't you? You know, and they wouldn't let me do that. They, we couldn't afford hotels, you know, at that time. So they were like, no, man. And they'd get a, they'd get a, a roll away or the guys in fish uh, the, did that for us too. Oh, that's great, know? man. I mean, they were just the greatest guys in the world. Guys in blues traveler those uh dave matthews like all, you know we would be on the road opening for them and they treated us so good you know they just treated us so good and made us feel like you know equals yeah you guys were so loved anyone who ever mentions aquarium rescue and aru it's like <laughs> they just it's so crazy you guys, well right? man bruce he he was the secret ingredient obviously i mean he wasn't secret but he was the he was the special yeah. sauce, you know, to that thing, to that picture, you know. Yeah. Uh, he brought things out of us as musicians that, that would never co- have come out had it not been for him. Tell me about the Almond Brothers gig. <laughs> I don't even well, know what I mean, to say. Begin, it was but, like, you know. it was unbelievable because, you know, I grew up in North Carolina and the Almond Brothers were at the, you know, they're yeah. royalty, man. You know, they were, they, were the, they were the face of everything I loved about music as a kid. And when I, the first stuff that I heard that made me want to pick yeah. up a guitar and, you know, ride a motorcycle and grow a beard. <laughs> I've know. seen the beard and the guitar. Do you have a motorcycle too? Yes. It oh. was all Almond Brothers, you know. To get a chance to play with them, it just is, it's like a dream yeah. come true. But I also knew that after doing it for about six months, I just, six or seven months, I was playing with two of my best friends, Derek and O'Teal. But I felt like, man, Dickie should be here, you know. I, and, and so uh-huh. it was weird for me. I was standing in Dickie's spot, and I view Dickie as royalty. And, I, you know, whatever the reasons they had, you know, whatever that is, it's none of my business. Yeah. I, I just viewed it like 
I'm going to stand here just for a minute until Dickie comes back. And that's what I thought should happen. And so after doing it about seven months, I was like, you guys, I am such a fan of your music. And I, I know that it's better for the band for me to step down. And so I did. And they were very cool about it. That's they, amazing. They, they were awesome. They, did Dickie come right back? Or, no, no, or? but Warren did. And he had oh, yeah. been with them for many years before. Uh, you know, he yeah. had been with them when, when, uh, when, before Derek got in the band. And so it all, it all happened exactly as it was supposed to. And, uh, and I've cool. stayed really great friends with their camp. And they've been so great to me and invited me to play. Every time I see them, they're yeah. like, come play. You know, come sit in. And so I'm, I'm very uh, grateful to them. And uh, I loved playing with them. I love playing with them. But I also know that I may have gone into some inappropriate areas <laughs> <laughs> musically. <laughs> Because that's kind of where my vocabulary goes, you know. Oh yeah, hey. I might go. I might play some things that are like. Derek Trucks had a great story on the, I think it's the Mark Marin podcast about about Greg Allman yeah. saying you guys took it out just too far tonight, yeah. and yeah. then it was like he went yeah. back in the bus <laughs> and came back out or something, and it was that's like right. he, it was almost like he had a conversation with his lost brother. Yeah, and he say, came back within five or ten minutes after. He didn't berate us or right, anything, right. but where we went on it was a certain piece of music that where it was real open, and I think we took it a little too <laughs> too far in a direction that you know it, it just I don't know it might have seemed silly or something because you know we're all Z men we all played with Bruce O'Teal yeah. Derek me we're Z men and so that might not be appropriate on an Almond Brothers stage because you know. The Z philosophy it might not fit in other places, right? Uh, and you know, I think that's what happened. And Greg said, "Okay, what was that?" You know, and he he wasn't mean at all. Then he went to the back, and then he came back a few minutes later, and he said, "You guys forget all that crap I just said." He said, "You guys just go out there and do what you do." My brother would have loved that. That's what he said. Oh wow! And we were, and I I thanked him and told him I was sorry. You know that it went too far you know well, next he, time you did it you probably did it just right just right amount right i don't know <laughs> i don't have any idea but i got i got pulled into that place musically speaking by the way it was the young the young the young jacksonville native that did that you blaming the, the yes young i'm blaming Derek him. Trucks pulled yes because <laughs> we you know he started yeah. he started playing stuff that that pulled me and O'Teal in that direction. <laughs> and the next thing you knew, it, it was... <laughs> That's funny. He started it. Yeah. Well, we both, we all, or not both, yeah. but all of us, me and O'Teal and Derek, have all played with Bruce. Yeah, And yeah, so, totally. you know, at the drop of a hat, we're ready to detune the instruments and start playing, you know, like, like they yeah. were rubber band. I mean, you know, it, it, and we will do that, you know, but uh, and it's not always the, the thing to do on the... Home and brother right. stage. <laughs> yeah, he was really cool about it, though. Greg was. Greg was one of the coolest people ever. You know, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm really gonna. I mean, it's not like I I was super super close with him, but I was close with him enough to to yeah. go and say hello and get a hug and 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 you know. You make everyone feel like you're uh, their best friend. Oh man. Oh man. I tell you what. Thank you. I I feel so lucky to have met you know everybody I know, and it's. Um, it's just a great yeah. ride. It's a great ride to be on. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Keeps you growing, man. And yeah. It's, it's always you. People love you for your humbleness, too. So. Oh, man. Thanks, dude. <laughs>
So, by the way, you know that 6-8 jam, that new song of Jimmy's that he had me play the chords to? Well, I got to thank him for actually writing a chart. I uh, cut it out during the interview because it, you know, would have taken a couple minutes of time while he had a pen on the paper, but he was literally writing me out a chart, which I read for that, which I really appreciate because I'm not psychic enough to know every single chord that's coming on a brand new song. But what a beautiful tune. He wrote it out. He wrote out the A section and the B section. And we jammed on that. So I really appreciate you writing that out for me. Jimmy, most of all, thanks for giving me an afternoon with you in Atlanta. Great town. What a great music town, too. Really coming up. Huge thanks to Paul Reed Smith Guitars, PRS. I love them. I need them. I got to have them. Oh, yeah, PRS. Look for the cover story of John McLaughlin and Jimmy Herring coming up soon on Guitar Player Magazine or guitarplayer.com down the road. Thanks to Zoom for the H6 recorder that travels with the helicopter wherever it goes. Again, my name is Jude Gold. Keep it alive to your 95.